0: welcome to another kundalini conversation i'm your host Brent Spirit, and my guest today is craig holiday craig thank you so much for joining us today really appreciate you taking the time to share with us about kundalini awakening yeah thanks for having me of course of course so craig's a spiritual teacher and a licensed professional counselor today he's coming to us from durango colorado Craig is also the author of two books, Fully Human, Fully Divine, and Yoga of Liberation. Craig offers weekly satsangs, meditation groups, as well as a kundalini support group, along with retreats and workshops. Now, Craig, many of my listeners have expressed their appreciation for your work, particularly your compassionate wisdom towards those struggling with the Kundalini Awakening process and of course the challenges. So this is a, a real honor for me as well, because I fall into that camp. You've helped me a lot with uh, your your Zoom meetings, with your YouTube videos. I was actually just uh, listening to a guided meditation uh, that you have on your YouTube channel leading up to our, our meeting today. And everything you share is just it's very heartfelt and uh compassionate and genuine and i'm really honored to uh, to see where our conversation goes today so thank you thank you yeah um, of course so i i understand uh I, i've that you know generally speaking you're, you're quite uh empty and don't like to plan and think and uh, i know you've shared your story uh, elsewhere online in other interviews uh, you've got uh, the Buddha at the gas pump interview and, and you've got many talks online So rather than asking you to give me a whole biography uh, about your spiritual uh, process and Kundalini awakening journey, if it's okay with you, I'll just hit you with some questions um, and we'll see where our conversation goes. Okay, so on your YouTube channel, I think your most popular talk is, uh, I think it's titled The Bliss and Nightmare of Kundalini Awakening, right? And I think that right there in the title captures what this experience can really be like. Blissful, blissful beyond... Beyond words, but also nightmarish beyond words as well. Yeah. So in your experience, can you talk to us a little bit about the nightmare of your process? The reason for me conducting these interviews, and these conversations is to extract the, uh, the challenges that people face so others can relate and say, hey, you know, I'm not the only one. And then it also extract some value, which would be the solutions that you found. So what was your nightmare like? How did you manage that nightmare?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I met my teacher when I was really young. Like I met, I met uh, my teacher when I was 18 or 19 years old. And, um, you know, when I said I have a teacher, it was very typical, uh, like, guru-disciple relationship. When I, like, I came to him actually looking for a job. And he was um, he just moved to town. He was building a retreat center and I was going to help him build that. And so it was just like almost like a storybook love affair that I had with with my teacher. But the thing that I noticed right away, like when I came into contact with him, is there was just something that kind of woke up in my consciousness that said, you know, like oh boy, it was like a mix between like oh boy and oh shit. Like this is a huge powerhouse of a human being that I that I've come into relationship with, and you know, I I, I kind of realized that on the first day, and I I was meditating since I was about fourteen years old and having spiritual experiences. But, um, you know, I was, I was just a young kid, and, and I met this, um, met my teacher, David. And, you know, after a couple of years of being with him, just the experience of being in my body was, um, let me say that differently, the experience of being in his company created tremendous pressure in my body. And, you know, I, I knew, that being with him, like we would we would meditate, you know, often together, and you know we would have like a I'd have like a three hour meditation and Satsang with him, and it was just like me and him in the beginning. I just felt like being in a pressure cooker, and so like I kind of had like this like warm up to him where it was just like boom, you know, like this is real, like this is big, this is huge, and I felt it in my body, and I felt it in my body when i was with him but i also felt it in my body when you know i when i went home to my house you know i have to work and and these things continued to cook in me and build in me and there's just felt like this spiritual pressure was growing and growing and growing and you know a couple years into it it got really painful like at first it was like intense but kind of cool but then it got just, it was just like really painful because it brought up all my unconscious, it brought up all my fears. It felt like it was like literally pushing the very fabric of my consciousness in this expansive manner that was very uncomfortable. And so that was what we might call that. I don't like calling it a nightmare, but just to you know play with that language, that, that might have been like the beginning of the nightmare. Now keep in mind. I was so fortunate also to have a teacher so saying it was a nightmare is a little you know it's a little paradoxical because i had this amazing teacher uh, like incredible guru incredible enlightened being and yet just being in his company was like being close to a bonfire and you know that's written about in a lot of the ancient um indian traditions like you know like if you have a real guru, it's like it's like being next to a bonfire. But eventually, that bonfire consumes you, you know. So if we get into, let's say, um, four years into our relationship, I started to feel immense pain in my back, and it was like really bad pain, like pain to the point of I'd be curled up in the fetal position. And I would like cry every night because I was in so much pain. It was really making it hard for me to work, or just hard for me to function in the world. And it, it would be like that where it would be so painful. And then like I might sit down with my teacher and he just starts speaking to me. And then immediately it would just shift into bliss and euphoria And so that was always like a funny thing for me because I knew like at the root of this was a spiritual energy. Like the source of it was, was bliss and spaciousness and freedom. And yet it was almost like my body couldn't handle it. And there was so much resistance in it. And um, you know, so I was meditating every day. I was doing yoga, all kinds of spiritual practice, but I was also working really hard. Like, you know, building uh, retreat houses and planting trees and making gardens, you know, with my teacher, all these, all these things. And um, I had this experience that that was really quite schizophrenic, where it was ridiculous amounts of pain. And then in half a second, it would shift and be ridiculous amounts of bliss and euphoria. It really screwed with, you know, just like the mind the mind likes to label something like this is bad and i don't like it but my mind couldn't do that i knew that this was good and i've always had a deep connection with god and a deep faith but just purely from a human perspective um it was a ridiculous horrific grueling thing for just the physical mammal body to go through i mean i i headaches that were just you know like I was being like my head was being crushed and then my head was being expanded headaches that were just like so intense in the third eye and then headaches in the back of the skull behind the eyes it's just like crazy headaches crazy back pain um I had um you know insomnia where I couldn't sleep and you know, I grinded my teeth because my consciousness was in so much stress. Um, and, and, and then one day, like, I went to a healer, and I was going to all kinds of healers. And keep in mind, my teacher was an immense teacher. He was also an incredible healer. So I would go to him for both teaching, meditation, training, I was apprenticing with him, doing he, he was doing healing work with me. And sometimes he would just like, and like I'd be like say seated across from him, and he'd just take his hand and just go like this, and then my body would just like flow into kriyas. <laughs> I would feel just incredible bliss, and it was wild. But um, like like I could go on and on about all the crazy experiences I had. But I, I went and I saw a um, a friend of mine. He did uh, Thai massage, and what Thai massage is? It's not really massage. It's really like you're on like a yoga mat and Like he was just like stretching my body out is what Thai massage is. It's not, it's basically like someone's stretching you and putting you in like yoga kasanas. And as he did that, like something broke within the resistance. And all of a sudden I started having uh, these incredible seizures, but the seizures felt euphoric. Now I can tell you this scared the heck out of him. Like he was like grabbing his phone this was back in the days of like um like when people had a real phone in their office so he went to like grab the phone and call an ambulance and I was like no 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 like 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 don't do that like I was like there's something happening here and he was like he's like you know he's basically like yeah there's something happening here and I'm calling the ambulance (laughs) and I was like no there's something profound happening here and my my hands just started to move and dance my spine started to Arch and I and I began to have just this massive kriya, and you know, like that massive kriya that happened <clears throat> whenever that moment was, in a sense, is still flowing in me this day. Mm. But in in you know, that day, like I wasn't able to walk, like he had to kind of like pick me up, and I felt like one of those newborn horses where you have to like. Or it's having to like learn how to walk with this leg. But see, I had the biggest smile on my face. He turned pale because he was terrified that he broke my back or something. And, you know, it was like just like the dam broke and something incredible happened. Now, it wasn't all just, you know, <laughs> beautiful and bliss blissful after that moment. You know, it, it, it still was kind of schizophrenic going back and forth between immense pain immense euphoria but there were moments where you know like my hands didn't work i couldn't like hold forks nobody could touch me you know because i would just go into like this just euphoric dance and i have all these kriyas um like it was so so strange you know my family kind of forced me to go to a neurologist and i went a bunch of times and spent all this money and you know, and multiple neurologists were like, I've never seen anything like this, it's absolutely crazy. You know, one of them actually pulled me aside and I says like, I think this is Kundalini, <laughs> which I smiled and said, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But, um, you know, I mean, there were so many twists and turns in the journey, but it, it took me many years to um, kind of get my body functioning and operational again, in a way that was um, just so I could just like show up and go to work. And I had young children at the time, um, you know, like the, the bit, like the big shocking things were like, like I loved mountain biking. I couldn't ride a bike, you know, it just felt like worlds were opening and expanding within my consciousness, but to such a degree that it really confused my nervous system because it was like I was living in multiple realities at the same time. So it took a long time for me to to integrate that. And it consisted a lot of just laying on the earth, you know, under a big willow tree, <laughs> watching the clouds flow by, visiting my teacher a lot, you know, just working bare minimum. And I mean, the nightmare, it, it went from physical pain to a non-functional body while trying to raise children while making me broke you know because I couldn't work and um, like it wiped big chunks of my memory and my past away um, <laughs> it was but with me the, the gift that I had is I had faith I had a sense that this was ultimately good I didn't go into fear even though like huge realms of like existential fear arose in my consciousness and i kind of just like rolled with it because because i've just come into this lifetime with immense faith and i had a great teacher and then i had another a number of teachers that i worked with to kind of support me on the journey um you know i could go on and on but i I might just stop there and just see if there's anything you want to you want
0: to say yeah well Well. thank you for for sharing about that i think a lot of people will relate to uh, the difficulty but there's definitely a lot of gems of wisdom in, in what you just shared in particular you mentioned and this was in the guided meditation actually that i just listened to by you uh, prior to our meeting you mentioned in the pain or through the pain there's bliss and there's spaciousness yeah. um, can you speak a little bit about that and, and how somebody in pain right now, because of their process can begin to access that or entertain that idea?
1: Yeah. 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 That, that's actually a big question. Um. So I had my main teacher, David, and he was uh, just an incredible yogi. And so he's from like a South Indian yoga tradition Um. And so the teachings in yoga, often we focus on energy, we focus on being open, we focus on, you know, like the divine qualities within us. And so like, that was like a huge training. Another teacher that I studied with, um, uh, who wasn't local, but who I'd go and visit was, uh, was Ajay Shanti. And, uh, so Ajay I, I developed, uh you know, a little bit of a relationship with, I mean, he was hard to get a hold of because he's so popular, but, you know, I'd go a lot on his retreats, and the thing that he taught and helped me open to was this immense immense spaciousness and peace, and so I was having, say, multiple awakenings simultaneously, and let me see if I can do the math, so I met Adya, you know, uh maybe about Two or three years before my kundalini like really blasted open. And so the big thing that he was having me focus on is the non-dual realms of, of vastness and spaciousness. And the thing that is so helpful about that is with the yoga tradition, people tend to focus on energy, but then they get overwhelmed by energy. And the Buddhist tradition. We tend to focus on space spaciousness and if you have a tremendous amount of energy flowing through your system it can be very helpful to first know i am space and there is space here for all this energy to flow for all this energy to empty out Mm -hmm. now also one of the great gifts that ajay gave me was this uh this realization of an absolute sanity Like I am that which is awake and aware. I'm not the body. I'm not the the experiences of the body. Like All this phenomena that comes and goes is just phenomena. Now, my teacher, David, he was also teaching me that, but it was just something that happened when I met Adya, when it was just like the the language he used or his transmission, because that's the world that he lives in. It was just like that, where I had this massive awakening with Adya, which was... um, (laughs) That was so incredible, you know, just in it, in its own right. Like that awakening, just that first awakening I had with Adya of realizing that my mind, like that my consciousness is the sky. Mm. That was enough for any human being just in one lifetime. But so, so I had that. And because I had that, it gave me almost like just like this, just this basic ground that I am okay, that I am okay. It's like space, you can't destroy space. You can't harm space. Now, most human beings that I work with on the path, it, they have this understanding, I am my ego. I mean, that's what almost everyone on planet Earth thinks. I am my ego. I am this limited sense of self. And then I have Kundalini waking up in a limited sense of self. And that's a very difficult journey, because then we go into, I'm overwhelmed, I can't handle this, this is too much, this is going to kill me. And in a sense, all those are true. Like, I, like, the ego that I am is overwhelmed. The ego that I am is dying. The ego that I am cannot handle this. And the fundamental mistake that everyone makes on the spiritual path is we try to walk the path from the perspective of the ego. Ever since I was a kid, you know, I had this, uh, this one thought in regards to spirituality is I want to be free. I want to be free. It was just like I was born with this. I just knew like this little human egos psychology of Craig is not the truth. And so like my whole thing was, I wanted to blast open into to know myself as this hugeness of being. And with my first teacher, David, I've got all kinds of experiences of that. But when I met Adya, it it was actually really funny. It was, I was driving to meet Adya. (laughs) I didn't even meet him yet, but I was just driving to meet him. And it was like, just just something happened. I was driving through this, uh, this massive valley in Colorado. And it was just like, my mind just ex, just exploded open and became the sky. And with it came this transmission of like, it's okay. Everything is okay. It's okay. Everything's okay. And I, I no longer you know, thought of myself as just this body and this little human consciousness. And so when the Kundalini woke up within this, this context, It woke up in a context that was absolutely spacious and absolutely sane Mm -hmm. and you know like we need that (laughs) everyone needs that the world the world needs that if we're going to stop killing each other or if we're going to navigate a wild kundalini experience it's like we need to have this this understanding that what's here is this vast spacious awake awareness that cannot be harmed, cannot be destroyed, cannot be defiled, that's already, already perfect and free. And just like in a real human and kundalini perspective, there's room for everything. Mm-hmm. Because a fundamental voice of the ego, like if you have a massive force that's waking up in you called kundalini, the number one voice in the ego is there's not enough room for this. Like just like in the most basic sense, it's like, there's not enough room there's not enough room and therefore i'm overwhelmed and therefore i'm traumatized and therefore like you know i'm just going to be a hot mess because this is just like we feel like we're a victim of god if the kundalini wakes up in an egoic context whereas when the kundalini wakes up in a context that's you know that's awakening or free like has a spacious freedom in it so utterly healing Like it's, it's just that there's room for it. There's room for it and we don't have to be so afraid of it. And so, you know, I was speaking um, with Bonnie Greenwell, you know, a number of years ago, we were both teaching at a conference and we're kind of sharing notes like her and I, like we're, uh, we're friends and colleagues and we used to share a lot of students. And, you know, one of the things that like, we really just, really jived you know with was like we, we both had the same teacher Adya, and just this the realization of vast spacious awareness like knowing oneself is that creates just this environment of sanity and freedom for the kundalini to flow and the people who don't have this they tend to get really nutty right they tend to get just just really nutty, really nutty. And of course, like awakening comes by the way of grace. But the thing that, you know, I invite for all my students is to at least have the perspective, to at least be able to like feel into, like say, for example, in this moment, that there is space here now. And in a sense, it's a little bit like a cosmic joke because all of us, We are like fish, you know, swimming around in the sea. Fish don't know, like they don't understand that there's water there. And human beings are the same way, but like we don't know that there's space here. It's like, all we do is we focus on our thoughts. We focus on the objects in the room that we see. But most human beings don't realize that every object and every thought arises in a space of space. Like like space is here always. But the way like the ego mind is is wired is it's hardwired to notice thoughts instead of noticing space. When we notice space first, it's so healing for everything, Right. for everything. And I don't care if we're a trauma therapist or someone who's focusing on Kundalini. There's space for trauma. <laughs> There's space for Kundalini. There's space for the craziness of the world. There's space for our neurotic mother or father or sister or brother and when we know that it just creates like this this kind of zen like ground of sanity and you know that's a big part of my job as a teacher is to provide a transmission of that sanity you know when people are going through you know a pretty intense wild ride right yeah
0: yeah this is incredible incredible insight there's space for kundalini there's space, space for, for
1: kundalini yeah yes. and 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 even if we just like looked at it from logic i'm not a logical person but if we looked at it from logic like nothing can arise unless there's space right so like, like there has to be space here for kundalini to come and the thing that, that everyone does is when kundalini comes they're like oh my god like this is too much i can't handle this and they literally like pull themselves into their center like it's it's just like we have a massive contraction. Like that's what the ego does when it sees something bigger than itself that it doesn't understand is we contract and pull everything to the center. Whereas that's the opposite of what Kundalini wants. That's the opposite of what Kundalini needs. And that's what creates a tremendous amount of the nightmare for most human beings. It creates you know so many symptoms arise, not because of Kundalini, but because we contract in relationship to kundalini kundalini is just energy but all these like crazy symptoms like headaches and insomnia and all this kind of thing most of it arises because most of it's experienced because we contract around this massive force of awakening that's flowing through our consciousness
0: that's gold i think that's going to speak to a lot of people It's speaking to me it's a perspective that i haven't considered uh that the difficulty around Kundalini awakening comes when we contract around it, that there's space. That's that's the
1: primary thing right there is if we contract, you're going to suffer greatly. Now I'll tell you this, of course, Kundalini, when it wakes up, you're going to have a lot of wild experiences and feelings and this and that, like the same way when we go through um, puberty or if like we're pregnant, you know, like the body's going to go through lots of changes. But like the difference between like if you fight with pregnancy or you fight with puberty, you're going to lose that battle. Right. But if we open to it, like I've met, you know, so many moms. uh, It's like they look at being pregnant as this wonderful, incredible, beautiful thing that's ever happened in them. But then other moms who contract around it and it's just like my life is ruined. <laughs> it's like, and then they have so much difficulty just in relationship to it. You know. Now either way, I just want to be clear. Either way, there's still going to be some immense growing pains, of course. Like of course, but it can be a heck of a lot easier if there's spe- if, if there's some realization of spaciousness and just the ability to open instead of the unconscious movement to just contract around something we don't understand. Now, again, for a lot of people, especially a lot of people I've worked with is, they say like, I didn't ask for this thing and it just woke up in me. And I understand that like, and for some people they're not trained spiritually. So like, they don't know what the heck is going on. And my heart goes out to them. And I've worked with a lot of folks with that but at some point just we have to be the adult in the room and say this is happening mm-hmm. and so i can either kind of like get with the program or i can be or i can just be the unconscious one who fights with the program and i've always just had this understanding god is the boss <laughs> i'm going to listen to the boss i'm going to go with the flow of the boss i'm going to go with, god, with god's program the boss's program because to fight with a boss, like to fight with God, we're going to lose that. We're
0: going to lose that battle. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. So we share some things in common. Um, I didn't spend any time in person with Adya, <sighs> but his teachings, like for you, opened up this spaciousness in me. Yeah. I was able to tap into the you know the ground of being, the field of awareness. Yeah. Um. Now, looking back at my journey based on what you shared, I see that I spent about eight years cultivating that space prior to then this awakening happened, the Kundalini awakening happening. And so I think though I had a difficult time as most people do, it wasn't as hard. Like you said, some people can get a little nutty when they don't have access to that spaciousness. But immediately when I understood what was happening, I fell back on my my foundation of uh, accessing the meditative spaciousness and I allowed all of this to unfold. And in my work with supporting others, I don't always um, emphasize that spaciousness because at least for me in the first part of my journey, I used that as an escape. It, it yeah. became a, a field where I went to bypass a lot. So yeah. it, how do we find the balance between sharing that spaciousness, but also ensuring that we still keep people in the world and not lost in that or, you know, stuck in, yeah. in a sort of disconnected awareness, ungrounded.
1: Yeah, 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 that's a beautiful question. Uh, so one of the things that I discovered, like when I first opened to that space, that it was immense, there was great freedom, it was transcendent, uh, it was euphoric, it just, I just felt like I was floating you know, for six or nine months, yeah, uh, like on the best drugs ever. Is what it, I mean, beyond you know drugs, of course, but um, but, but the, the thing about reality, like just say physical reality, and I, you know, I had a family. Um, like when you have kids, yeah, you know, when you have kids, you have to support you can only transcend so much it's just like and so you know just after a number of months um what i began to feel is like all kinds of unconscious pain coming forward the kundalini of course was coming forward my kids were pulling on me life was pulling on me and you know instead of forgetting about this space what i did was you know it wasn't necessarily that I did it, but it was like, I kept opening to the spaciousness, but I also kept opening to the world. And then the spaciousness came down into my heart and then later down into my hara. And, you know, what it, what it manifested as is this immense peace and sanity and spaciousness in the midst of life. And so I was never really one who could uh, pull off transcendence in a way that um, that was uh, well, let's just say either deeply transcendent or deeply spiritually bypassing. Right. Like it's it's almost like the transcendent was here but it was here in the world, in the midst of my life, in the midst of my experience. It had to be, like it It had to be because the demands of my life on me were just too much. I, I can't bypass my kids. I'd have to be a um, sociopath you know, to do that. I have too much love for my kids. And then, you know, just saying that word love, what happened was, is there was peace here. And I just knew Oh, like the next step on the journey is the realization of love in form, in matter, in life, in relationship to the inner world and the outer world. And then a great question for me was, how do I be free in the world in relationship to my family? Um, I mean, my life was such a disaster at the time, like I was going through a divorce like, how do I be in love and free with this most tragic experience of like my family falling apart, my life falling apart, myself falling apart, just everything falling apart. And it forced me to open to this immense compassion. And so like, I like to teach in three ways, realization of peace, the realization of love, the realization of strength. Realization of strength that actually comes through a total willingness to love and to be with everything that is that is difficult. And so, if we circle back to that nightmare, um, it's like, well, can I love this nightmare? Can I love it fully and completely? Can I open to it fully and completely? Because if we look at like the hardwiring of the ego. It's just this basic response of fight and flight. You know, we could throw in freeze there too, but it's basically like we chase after things we want, we run away with that which we don't want. That's the primary veil that veils our consciousness. That's the primary obstacle to freedom. And again, my number one question was, what does it mean to be free? And because I wasn't living in a monastic life in this lifetime, it was, I need to be free in this world, in the tragedy of life, and the beauty of life, and the wonder of life, and the chaos of life, and that required immense love, like unconditional love, and unconditional strength, and so that awakening, it just kept, like it started off in this very transcendent sense, but then it was just like going down into matter, now of course kundalini, so those are all non-dual awakenings, awakening to space, awakening to unconditional love, awakening to unconditional strength, like the strength of Buddha nature, Simultaneously, that flow of kundalini was bringing forward every unconscious desire, confusion, heartache, trauma, pain, attachment, you know. And so that's the beauty of kundalini is kundalini really is not a force of transcendence. So kundalini really balanced things and made it so I wasn't just going to transcend and you know forget about life on planet earth it was more you know like that old uh, saying that ken Wilber used this transcendent include transcendent include transcendent include which really meant love more deeply and fully and unconditionally and open to everything that is here and the thing with kundalini is you, you can't run from it <laughs> you can't just meditate it away it's in you it is you it's the fabric of what's you know what your consciousness is and it brings forth all the unconscious out of you and so there's there's no there's no bypassing right and to me like i just saw just even just like from a um a space of clarity bypassing is just another dance of ego and that's not a a movement of freedom and so i wasn't interested that
0: right thank you thank you yeah i i remember uh being caught up in in the spacious awareness and then when kundalini came i had to, it, was, it was very humbling because i had to uh humble myself and say okay well i've got to address all of this stuff in my body painful yeah. stuff emotional stuff physical stuff worldly stuff yeah. um so so that brings me to another question you you spoke about a couple of teachers so far. Um, did did either David or Adya speak to you explicitly about this force called Kundalini? I know in Adya's work it's not as uh, as apparent as it is in, say, your work, for example. So yeah. was this terminology that they were sharing with you? Were they speaking about Kriyas? Did they let you know what to expect? Or was it more just uh more abide as spaciousness, whatever arises, let it arise? How was their approach? Yeah
1: yeah um yeah what adj i could speak about real easy um he was just kind of like an older brother uh, with me and he was like yes i've been through that it is really crazy you're going to be fine right and so like the big things that he gave me was just this sense of like hey you're going to be fine keep opening and it wasn't even so much of what he said but just knowing You know, that like oftentimes, like this may sound disrespectful, but like often I just think of Ajay as a brother and I look at him like a boy, like my teacher was kind of like an old man, like an Ajay, Ajay was just like a young, young guy. He was like, you know, maybe 10, 15 years older than me. And I just kind of looked at him like an older brother who was just like, hey, you're going to get through this. (laughs) You'll be fine. And I saw it in his presence that he was totally comfortable and completely confident in me mm. completely confident in me and it wasn't like um like that he knew craig holiday in some like deep and intimate way it was just i think he just looked into my soul and he was just like you're gonna be fine like it's funny because i like just looked at him as a boy and sometimes he just he'd look at me like hey kid you'll be fine you'll be fine And I just had this connection with him and with his soul, whereas when he said something, it just went in and it registered just like that. Now I went to him numerous times and I was having Kriyas and wildness and all this, and he just kind of would sit back and smile and just smile. And so he didn't give like, you know, really thorough instruction about anything. It was more just this presence if you're gonna be fine. And that's one of the things that I try to bring to all my students is this gentle reminder of like, hey, look, like the way I teach is God chose you. So if we think about this, the intelligence of the creator chose you, this is not a mistake. This is not a mistake. And the, the transmission, when it comes from someone who's awake, they see our life on the, this huge, this, this huge arena. They see it on the soul level. And so you know, like when we're awake, we, we see whoever's coming to us. We see them as a soul. We see the soul's going to be fine. The ego, maybe not so much. <laughs> the ego, probably not going to be fine. It's going to get its butt kicked. It's going to be confused. It's going to go through all kinds of things you know, ultimately, if it's a true awakening, you know, the person's going to face, you know, some level of of ego death, you know, to some degree. I don't like that word so much, but there's going to be a massive ego transformation, you know, an upgrade in a consciousness. And that may be very uncomfortable. And, you know, that's one of the things that Aja just said to me. He's like, what did he say to me? He said, He said, Craig, like, like this experience will be very inconvenient for your life. But then he, then he said after that, he said, but like, I wouldn't trade this for the world. And he looked at me and like, he kind of like asked me like, you know, in a sense, like, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, like, I hear that I wouldn't trade this for the world either. Like, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But i wouldn't trade it for the world you know and so like we both kind of had this recognition together of like, this is a beautiful thing even though it's very uncomfortable very difficult but that transmission was like you'll get through this you'll get through this now my teacher david he had more like uh i'm just going to use this word like guru, guru magic and guru powers he could help me walk through all kinds of different realms of divinity. And he could touch a point on my back and it, can, it could release things and open things. And um, he worked with me, you know, weekly, if not like at times, sometimes it was daily. <laughs> where It was just, I was in his company and uh, was, even times when I wasn't in his company, like he'd call me on the phone like, and I'd be in like a real dark place of consciousness. And he'd just call me and he'd be like, What are you doing right now? And just as soon as I heard his voice, I realized, oh my God, like I'm totally lost in some trauma vortex spiral. And just my just teacher like saying, What are you doing right now? Like it was almost like he would start to straighten things out, you know, within my subtle energetic body. He had amazing uh cities. Uh, my teacher, David, and and so he supported me in so many ways. So many ways. And you know, even with his great support, the awakening was still crazy difficult for a good part of you know a decade and um very dramatic and very wild. And so, you know, I, I kind of smile because I had such good support, you know, from my teachers and um. You know, I realized, like, oh, yeah, like, like, of course, now it's my job, you know, to give that back to to people struggling. And I, I can't even imagine, like, when people come to me and they don't have a teacher, I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, some people try to get through it without a teacher. And I'm just like, you're crazy. Now I know there's a lot of, I'll, I'll be polite here, confused teachers out there about kundalini there's a lot of gurus who awaken it. And then, you know, it's like, whatever they live in India and you live in New York. And it's like, you're not going to get much support from them or you you don't even speak the same language. And so, you know, that's, that's the job that was basically given to me was, it's like, okay, now you're going to meet with all these people. (laughs) A lot of them came to me through just some silly video I made, however many years ago that was. And it's, that video i didn't even think it was even that good but it's just the title of it this got just woke a lot of people up and realized yes this is a nightmare and i do need support and you know one way or another you know god connected me with that
0: incredible yeah i mean that was that was the question that i was uh planning to ask you was you know how important is the the uh, presence of a teacher in your life can yeah. we get through this without one i I personally, I don't think so. I've had many teachers that I've worked (laughs) with um, and, you know, sometimes you recognize that it's time to move on and whatnot, Yeah, but um, I definitely couldn't have got through this uh, on my own on on your website. I I saw you also mentioned uh, Matt Kahn had also, uh, you know, offered you a lot of uh, teachings and and wisdom myself as well. Um, It was through Matt Kahn that I was able to understand the importance of, of, unconditional love yeah. uh, you know his teaching loving what arises and um that's that's very radiant in you is, is the love is the open-heartedness um which it, it seems to be a little bit um absent from traditions like like zen like say Adya's background very loving guy yeah. I, you know you can tell he's he's looking at you without judgment but yeah. the the ooey gooey like, like that it's not always present in some of those teachers. Yeah. um, do you yeah. think this also has to do with why they don't openly discuss the things like energy and and the chakras and this sort of thing? Is it just because all of that comes on its own? Maybe goes on its own, But what stays is is the foundation, and that's where they tend to focus. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I just think that, you know people are wired differently. You know, like, you know, I just give to the world as immense clarity and and spaciousness. And that's, you know, that's a huge gift. You know, like Eckhart Tolle has, you know, a similar kind of gift, a little bit different. Excuse me. Um, For me, I had a lot of messiness in my life. I had a lot of confusion in my life. Uh, I had a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. And the only way that was going to heal was through love. Mm -hmm. You know, I also have just a a deep and profound connection with with the Christ energy. And of course, that is just immense love and compassion. To me, if we have a spiritual path that doesn't include love, that's actually a very dangerous path, you know, very dangerous uh, in the most lighthearted sense, like if we have a path that doesn't include love to spiritual bypassing like you, you spoke about um on the flip side like like in the more darker dangerous sides like we can really become narcissistic and um you know have a sense of like like violence toward ourselves or to, toward the world if our path doesn't include love i mean to me it's just it doesn't even make sense to have a path right. that doesn't include love and I'm kind of one of these people that's wired for like, I need the full picture as it relates to the fullness of life. That's kind of like what, like the tagline for my teachings, fully human, fully divine. It's like, I want to be awake in the world. We're obviously in the world we've incarnated into the world. We didn't incarnate into a monastery. So I need to know how do we function in this world? And I can't function in this world without love. Like, like, to me, it's like you, you miss just a huge aspect of your consciousness. If you if there's not love here, it's like, come on, you know. And for me, like love isn't even like I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole love as like ushy gushy, like like love is a willingness to be with everything. So love, like like my teacher used to say, like, you cannot separate love and strength. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people want they think when, when I'm talking about love, they just mean, Oh, you feel euphoric and wonderful blissful all the time. It's like, yeah, like that's, that's love, but also love is a willingness to sit with yourself and hold yourself while you're in wretched pain and you have a crazy headaches and you haven't slept in a week. and You know, you're about to lose your mind and to sit with that part of yourself. That's about to lose your mind. And we respond with compassion. Now, of course, this isn't the ego responding with compassion. This is your highest nature as it's waking up. This is the movement, the very fabric of God, the fabric of grace, the fabric of life, waking up in you and as you, responding to your humanity. And that's where it's a spiritual awakening thing, as you see, oh, this love that I am is the fabric of all a life. And so if, we, if we're on a path that misses that, it's like, come on, what that kind of path is this? You know, it's like, what kind of path doesn't have love? You know, right? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. And and just like, like just like you need love, we need to have clarity. Because if we don't have clarity, we can go crazy. And if we're going crazy, we're definitely not awake. We're definitely not free. And you know, in order to endure, just like life here on planet earth and everything that arises and the willingness to embrace every aspect of our trauma and the pain and sadness and guilt and shadow and wound, there has to be immense strength. And so to me, like, that's like, you know, the trifecta here, the the Trinity is, you know, it's this awakening of head, heart, and gut. And Aja does teach that, of course, you know, and I think any good teacher is going to have some, you know, we need to teach you know, like a sense of non-dual clarity, spaciousness, unconditional love, and then unconditional strength, like an indestructibility, you know, because like on the flip side, like if we have tremendous fear within us, well, I mean, that's a real hallmark that we're not awake. It's just like, what's all this fear? What am I running from? And so
0: we have to have the strength to face all that fear as well. Hey, So teachers necessary oh well, um, yeah I'm, I'm necessary please forgive me <laughs> you got a question oh, i was the teacher necessary yeah they're,
1: they're so necessary they're oh, so it, necessary it's like anytime i see someone try to go through it alone you know what i see is a, a couple of things almost always there's a fierce independence in that individual and that independence almost always is arising out of trauma mm. out of trauma and and you know there's some level of you know, this will sound harsh. Almost everyone on planet Earth is an egomaniac. But like when we have fierce independence as like our thing, it's like we're afraid to open up, we're afraid to be seen. Like it's funny because like sometimes I have people they come to me and they tell me, you know, they show everything, which is like the right thing to do. Some people come to me and they try to hide like all their stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, I like guess whole point of being with the teacher is to allow yourself to be seen and allow yourself to be heard. We're going to meet with love. And, you know, people, because they've had bad parents, bad coaches, bad support because they've been burned by life, you know, they've identified with their ego, which says, don't trust, don't open up, don't share, don't be vulnerable. And again, like, these are all just fails. These are all just ego programs and they're not the path. Like that's not the way forward. That's not the way. And so, you know, we have to really be honest. If we have that thought, I don't need a teacher. If we have a thought, I don't want a teacher, like, where is that thought arising from? Like a fundamental lack of trust? Or even like I could look at it from a compassionate place and say, you've probably been burned really bad. But, you know, like the great question is, is like, if we've been burned really bad, do I align with the ego and shut down now and forever? Or, you know, do I courageously open my heart and try again and develop skills of discernment and, you know, really look like, oh, like maybe I was with the wrong teacher. Maybe my teacher had a gaping wound and shadow. Maybe I was seduced because my teacher had 10,000 students and had cities and he looked or she looked like. They had it all together and you know, really they were a charlatan and I was duped, and I'm not willing to admit, you know, that I gave my power away or or whatever it is. And so and, and you know, and another way I'll admit there's not really that many good Kundalini teachers. And so it's like a beautiful thing, like this gift that your your platform is doing is connecting people you know, with, with true teachings, with helpful teachings, with supportive teachings, and, you know, kind of pop the bubbles of like that old yogic myth of you sit down and you meditate and energy flows through all seven chakra centers. Then you're enlightened and you float away on a bliss cloud. It's like, okay, like that's probably not how it works <laughs> like for, for everyone. So, so like, you know, the gift of your platforms, you shed light on like, what what's actually happening? What's the process actually like? what what teachings are really supportive you know for the western psyche is it like that old storybook myth you know that the yogis taught is it like the yogic science of kundalini awakening or you know how about i tell you the truth (laughs) how i tell you the truth and not you know just give you shakti pot and send you on your way and you know see what see what happens you know so um It's important, I don't want to say it's important to have a teacher. It's important to have a good teacher. Teacher. It's important to have a good teacher. And this is something I have struggled with is over the years, like I am ridiculously busy. When I refer people, you know, away, like I used to refer people to Bonnie Greenwell, but she, you know, she went to heaven. So so it's like it's hard to find good people, you know, who are grounded, who are sane, who are supportive um i mean there's some real charlatans out there and there's also just some people who are well intentioned but have like a little bit of a narcissistic flavor and they like to play with energy mm. and there's a lot of that out there you know in the tantric you know yoga bali kundalini world you know it's just like awakening there's a lot of the youtube world of like you know come to my shakti pot and Afterwards, I'm going to try to get you naked and this and that. It's like all kinds of messiness that I've heard about. And um, that's really unfortunate, too, because, you know, kundalini wakes up. And if if the individual wakes up and hasn't done their work or isn't doing their work, it can really flow into narcissistic tendencies, kind of cult leader tendencies, messiah tendencies. Um superheroes superhuman savior tendencies you know and and just some people just really get off on playing with power okay. and um unfortunately you know i've had a lot of students come to me who you know they're afraid of teachers because you know they've been used and abused and hurt and and this and that
0: yeah yeah this is all really unfortunate um i experience uh people like that as well i also encounter people who have a very fresh awakening who say I- i'm ready to start uh sharing yeah. this with others and yeah. I-, I try to see you know give it some time give it some time yeah in a few yeah. years at least yeah um yeah yeah i i know you've also uh, are uh one of the founders of uh the association for spiritual integrity yeah Whose intention is to uh, prevent this type of, um, you know, dare we yeah. say abuse or or a neglect or misuse of power. Um, so that's another great contribution that you've made to this, this field of spirituality overall, which I, I am very grateful for.
1: Well, well, that was something that it was just, it was just heartbreaking for me because I had such great teachers like you just had so much integrity and so much, they gave me so much support and they were just so clean. And then, you know, when I began teaching, you know, I worked with so many students from from other traditions, and they came to me and they were telling me what their teachers had done to them. And I was just like, oh my Lord, like this is, this is horrific. Horrific. I mean, teachers, I mean, there's um I, there's, there's there's a, a couple of teachers who like assault women and are actively teaching. I'm like, what crazy world do we live in? And so I couldn't just sit back and just keep hearing these stories. Eventually I said, okay, I'm going to start an organization uh, with my friend Rick and Jack and, um, you know, to help educate teachers, just give them some basic grounds of ethics and training, you know, how to interact with, uh, with students in a way that's clean, that doesn't have power gains, that's not narcissistic. That's just, you know, very similar to how, you know, uh, a professional, you know, a psychotherapist, psychologist works. And of course, I have like that, that training as a background, I have a master's in, in, uh, in counseling psychology. And so I thought like so much of this could be solved if just teachers had some basic ethics as a basic understanding of how to work with another human being without causing harm. And so, yeah, I started that uh, organization many years ago and, um, you know, worked there for, for a long time. And then I, I had to just, I had to step away because just my students were uh, demanding uh, so much of my time. And so uh, but Rick and, and Jack are still really active in that. And a number of other teachers are. But yeah, that was one of my uh, contributions, just because I saw like it's good to have some basic training, mm-hmm. just in you know how to do this thing, <laughs> how to do this thing, and uh, and unfortunately, I, I hate to say, it, but so often it's men preying upon women, and it's just like oh my god, like this is, story is so old, and it's so unnecessary, and just a little bit of ethics. I'm just like I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to keep my desires in check, you know. And and you know that. And with money, it's like people get in so much trouble, and it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, right? You know when when that happens. And so, um, if you choose to work with a teacher, you want to make sure they have good grounded ethics. You want to make sure they have their feet on planet Earth. And just like if you just take a peek around a little bit and you know again i hate to talk in this way but i'll just be a little blunt just like take a look take a little peek and see are they sleeping with all their students <laughs> you know are they charging exuberant rates and that type of thing like are they trying to be the superstar the hollywood you know kind of guru Gee, like you know like what's really going on here and the big thing is like just to trust your gut mm. when you see that to have a lot of discernment with the teacher and and um Cause it, cause it, it can be dangerous, messy business, but on the flip side, it can be so utterly healing and yes. supportive. It can be the difference between life and death for some individuals, you know, yeah. just like going into just like bipolar schizophrenia <laughs> mixed with Kundalini or, Oh, like this is a really powerful awakening that I'm having. And I'm so happy to have this good teacher and this good song. and You know, I, I have, you know, a supportive system to help me with what
0: God is awakening
1: within my consciousness.
0: Right. So you mentioned um, how you're a psychotherapist and you're trained in ethics. Um, I'm actually a grad student studying psychotherapy myself as well. And you're actually one of the inspirations that um, let me know, hey, this maybe is the right direction to move in. Craig's doing great work. What I found in in Western psychology was that maybe they're off about some things compared to the East, but the ethics they have that down for the most. Yeah, they
1: have the they have the ethics they have the ethics down. They're good with um, like say like somatic uh, trauma healing, like that whole realm. Uh, The funny thing they did like twenty years ago is. A lot of them just like stole so much Buddhist psychology and yeah. called it, you know, mindfulness psychology or something, you know. And so there's, there's that. But, um, you know, w- w- with any system, you take what's good, you know, and like the thing that the modern age is demanding, like if you're going to be a teacher support person, one, of course, you have ethics, but two, that you're well trained and you know how to work with a complete human being. If you have a background in psychology, like you know how to work with the mind, you know how to work with the emotional nature. And even just from like a a perspective of of spiritual awakening, these are the primary veils, the mind and the emotional nature, the primary veils to non-dual awakening or kundalini awakening. Like you need to know how to work with the mind. You need to know how to work with the emotional nature. If not, you're going to be a hot mess. And right. so, like that's a great gift for you as a teacher, you know, that you're going to give to your students is, you know, knowing how to work with these things. Yeah, yeah. And you you'll find like, like there's a lot of things that I just like in my psychological training. Where it's just like, okay, like that's one level of understanding. Like that's this level. <laughs> my teacher's giving me this level. I'm going to stay with this level. But you know, I might just work with you know just a couple of the little you know the the psychological healing techniques that they use and i'm going to you know
0: bring that into my uh teaching arena. Yeah. Right. So i'm curious about in your practice um your counseling practice do you work almost exclusively with people in spiritual process? Or... Oh yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. Like almost everyone i work with is a student of mine or you know like becoming a student, you know, or or, or just curious or um so like I don't work with like people who just say, hey, I have anxiety. Right. Uh, I, I did in the beginning, of course. I worked with, you know, you know, I worked with um, like legitimate mental illness. And, and that's actually very helpful with kundalini because you can see, okay, this is legitimate schizophrenia. This is legitimate bipolar disorder. And this is legitimate kundalini. Mm-hmm. And this is kundalini with schizophrenia. This is kundalini with bipolar. Because sometimes people will come to you. Like if you're in this department, like there's going to be some people that send you an email at 2 a.m. And, you know, they're in some bipolar manic episode and they think they have kundalini. And it's just like, sometimes I have to tell people, this this doesn't seem like kundalini. This is actually bipolar. Hmm. You know, but almost everyone that God brings to me, you know, is a kundalini person as a Kundalini person. I, I've even had some real interesting ones where I've had people come to me with like chronic depression. And I work with them for a year. They like keep showing up. And I'm like, God, why are you sending me this person? Like, it doesn't make sense to me because they just keep showing up with intense resistance and depression. And then all of a sudden, they're having a non-dual Kundalini awakening. And I'm just like, oh, okay. It makes sense. <laughs> it makes it makes sense, but that's happened, you know, a handful of times, but um, you know, most everyone who comes to me has had a nondual awakening or a kundalini awakening or, or both, you know, or some realm of that are deeply interested in the spiritual path or the teachings. Is, is the people I work
0: with. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, we find the right people at the right times, right teachers at the right times, I guess, in your case, the right yeah. students at the right times as well. So, Craig, you've been doing this work for a long time. You've, uh, you know, you said your your journey began around 14, meditation. You met your teacher. Yeah. You're you're supporting so many people. What is your experience like today? What's your edge, if you have one? What is your uh, current area in which you're growing as a human being?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've come fully to the end of the awakening process. Now I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, like we all have a growing edge. We all have a growing edge. And like that was like, that was the old myth is you like you get to some final end point. And like a big part of the teaching that uh, came uh, uh, to me from my teacher, David, and I, and I think this is just happening in the modern age is we've become to really realize that we are a part of an evolutionary world and when you know that like when you see that just like in the framework of consciousness you see that consciousness is always growing always growing and so like you know almost every day there's something that's coming forward that's arising out of either my unconsciousness you know so whether it's like pre-verbal childhood trauma You know, that's just kind of just like gently simmering and coming to the surface. Like I have that, you know, that type of thing. Um, I have, uh, this is really interesting. My my teacher used to warn me about this, but, you know, when you become a teacher, like on on a real scale, like you start to work with, like say the karma of other individuals, you work with like the karma of the sangha. And so, like, there's all kinds of things come to me that I'm just like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't mine. Uh, you know, like it's, you know, either like the karma of one of my students. Like signs, I know. Okay, this is from this student, and I'm working with it a little bit. Sometimes it's, oh, this is within just like the field of the sangha. Sometimes it's within the field of my community. Um, I mean, heck, this this last night. I was working with, um, uh, you know, like just something that's going on in this this current world uh, world, excuse me, this current war with Israel and Palestine, like like some just immense trauma and pain and confusion was coming through. And, and please keep in mind when I say I was working with it, it's almost it's more accurately like God is working through this one. It's just like things are unraveling and I'm witnessing it, breathing a sense of love into it, just holding it. But it's really it's almost like God is holding the character Craig and the character Craig is holding this and God is holding it all. And so it just feels like this like this massive uh, unfoldment. And to me, like I don't really look at my awakening as any different than the awakening of the world or the awakening of other human beings. Like, I don't care whose trauma it is. (laughs) If it's mine, if it's yours, if it's, you know, like, like again, like if I feel into what happened last night, it was like this family, you know, in Palestine, just dealing with like some kind of border crossing. And it was just like this energy of just like division you know, arises within my consciousness, and I work with it. And and I'll tell you this, that happens a lot, a lot with me. Now, all of it is arising in a space of spaciousness and bliss and freedom. But the the thing my teacher said, and, and like a lot of people think of this as shocking, but it's like we wake up and we become a slave to God. Mm. it's not like we wake up and like, Oh, I'm free. And I'm euphoric. And it feels like I'm on drugs all the time. Like there's that, like, like the experience of my conscious, like my experience of the conscious is incredible, but it's also filled with immense darkness that I am (laughs) just witnessing the transmutation of within this body and i'll say this um it's not easy like it's not just some flowery kundalini awakening and there's an enlightenment here and it's just lovely and transcendent and you know i'm just floating in my own world Uh, like i knew this just as a kid it's like i've always been i've just always been open to the work of god and i kind of see that like that as we awaken together we become like these giant like transmutation machines that like god just uses us to transmute darkness and again i don't want anyone to hear that like i'm doing this personally like there's definitely a personal experience here an individual experience not like it used to be but you know this this job is, it, it requires a Christ-like love, an immensity of being, and, and again, I don't want anyone to think I'm claiming any credit for that, because, because I, cannot. I cannot. It was more like just something was just like thrown into my lap, thrown into my experience, and I'm like, okay, I want to just keep breathing into this thing and so it's a very paradoxical experience that i have of feeling free experiencing great freedom experiencing bliss and then just being open to all of this this stuff that just moves through me and again like just from a perspective of like like a buddhist perspective of no self there is zero care within me about whether it's mine yours Whoever's, if there's something here, it's met with love. And that's just the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So there's all that that's going on. And then, of course, you know, just like if we just spoke purely about, say, non dual realization or Kundalini awakening, like the Kundalini, it just flows like this channel. You know, I just feel like as this river that's just always here flowing. When it first woke up, like I said, it caused me to have all these seizures and creas and all this craziness. That whole hugeness is still here. It's just flowing unobstructed. And so, you know, like that's just like a non-dual river that's flowing in the background. It's so uh, immense. Like if I feel into it, I, I have to be careful because... Um, <laughs> like i'll I'll just start going into samadhi states you know I have, to, I have to like step away from that because i'll i'll get i'll get um it just makes it so my mind doesn't work and so i have to be right. careful with that i understand and so i have realms that so like i have realms i could step into you know just like i'm pointing out right there and then there's times when just God will just come into me and just download some huge new thing. And sometimes it's a new samadhi state. Sometimes it's a, like a different quality of bliss. Sometimes it's um, just like some realm of fire, you know, that, that helps with the transmutation and be helpful to one of my students or to my Sangha um so it's constantly growing and changing and unfolding and, and that's the beauty of it is it's it's just this like unfolding mystery and that's part of being free because some teachers get stuck you know and that's was my little joke there it's like i'm totally awake and this is it and that's like it and it's like okay and, and that may be true for that individual that they're totally awake in this one realm But what God has shown me, and that's one of the things that kundalini shows us, is yes, there are these like three great realms of non-dual awakening. But there's like a million and one realms that keep opening, keep unfolding, that are helpful and supportive for life here on planet Earth, that are helpful for humanity. Like God is not a static thing. God is a static thing, but God is also growing and evolving just eternally. And so I have all kinds of things. And sometimes like God will just open me into something and that experience will be there for a day, a month, a year. It'll be there forever. Sometimes things come and go. But often what I see is like worlds open up and then those worlds integrate and then they're they're transmitted into uh, the Sangha. And the beautiful thing about it is like the way I look at uh, this experience is I'm the first receiving student of it all. Because one of the traps, again, like with awakening is I'm the awakened one. I know everything. And to me, I don't hold that as a view. It's more like, like I feel like a little kid and like new things are being taught to me all the time. And in the past, like I had these great teachers that I'd meet with. And now it's just like, my questions are answered and the experience is given even before I even know to ask the question, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's quite wild. Um, and and I will say just like from a human practical perspective, um, I'll say two things from human practical perspective. Like one, of course, I've got an evolving edge. Like I'm always learning to be a better father, better partner, you know, better listener, you know, uh, just whatever it is, better human being. Um, I practice jujitsu and like, you know, like that's kind of like my fun, like human edge. I rock climb and, and I practice like with these incredible professionals is one of the things in my life I've always been the gift of just like somehow. I just get aligned with people who are masters and whatever it is that, you know, that I'm doing. And, and so that's fortunate. So like I get to totally be an amateur and learn from, you know, these giants just in like real life, uh, you know, practical human things. And then also I'll say um, just like, like with my family, from one sense, like people think, well, when someone's awake, you know, they're going to be like some kind of perfected human being. It's not that way at all. (laughs) It's like, my family has to tolerate me, you know, because I'm a human being who can't remember anything. Like I don't have much of a memory and, you know, and, you know, I'm a different kind of human being. And so like my family life, like they are always challenging me. They're like, what's going on with you? Because sometimes God will put me in a samadhi state and it's time to go to the farmer's market. It's time to drive the kids somewhere. It's time to pack lunches. And I'm dropping the ball in every department. And so like, what's my growing edge there? It's like, can you be fully grounded and be going through like these huge experiences at the same time? And I'll tell you, Brent, like I dropped the ball constantly <laughs> i screw up constantly i get things mixed up constantly and that's good for people to know because sometimes we project too much on teachers and also with kundalini or just spiritual traditions we have this idea that i'm going to get to a place where i no longer feel pain and everything in my life is perfect and i'm a millionaire and wh- whatever and it's just like this is an evolutionary world and so like your question is like what's your evolving edge it's like it's massive in every department (laughs) it's like and that's how i think all human beings should be is like we realize like oh i have so much that i could grow into in every different way like there is no ultimate complete the desire for ultimate complete like that's the ego's desire you know just to get to a place where we no longer feel pain or no longer have to work or do anything
0: Oh, I love yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The reason I ask is because, of course, some people hear about Kundalini or they hear that they're in the process and they think one day, yeah. like you said, they'll be the yeah. perfected millionaire healthy without any issues. And, and yeah. you know, we have Craig here who's been through a yeah. lot and he's saying, hey, still yeah. growth is happening. So thank you for that. Yeah. I think it, yeah. it gives permission to teachers to be human so that they can teach oh, from a yeah. place yeah. as well as permission to the student to also be human, right?
1: Yeah, well, and, and and like, if we just look at this world, like this, like the earth plane is an evolutionary plane. So just like I was teaching before, like if if we have a, a thought that I'm going to have a spiritual path without love, like that's a crazy, uh, excuse my language, but like that's a crazy effed up perspective that we can have a path without love. And also if we have a thought that we are going to live in a world without growth, we get to a point where growth doesn't exist that's crazy that's like almost like a narcissistic or sociopathic viewpoint it's just it's no connection to reality this world is an evolutionary world growth will go on in the earthly plane forever for right. every human being and to think that we get to an end point is not to be in reality is not to be in reality now i want to be clear we can open and awaken the ultimate states of consciousness but this thing like this human body this human psyche this thing is going to grow forever and that's the beauty of of when you when you study psychology that's just like a given you're just like of course of course like psychology is always growing always growing yeah even just human potential is always growing like sometimes I'll go on Instagram and I'll just see people doing like triple backflips on a mountain bike or a motorcycle. <laughs> like, oh my God. When I was a little boy, I was like evil Knievel on a dirt bike, jumping like a school bus. And now like just the things that people, like just what human beings are doing. And, you know, I have friends who run um, 200 miles, like in one, you know, like in one session, I don't know what you call that one you know, one run is they'll run for two hundred miles, like an ultra endurance athlete. A hundred years ago, we didn't think that was possible, right? Like, and so just like the 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 being of 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 this thing that we are, it grows in every way. And and you know, like a conversation I've had with Rick Archer in regards to like like Rick's often gets this question: is like it appears. the evolution of consciousness is speeding up and more and more normal human beings are waking up it's like this evolution is happening on the level of spiritual awakening it's also happening on the level of body it's just like it's so amazing this world we live in is so incredible you know what's possible you know if we uh, (laughs) can get out of that animal consciousness and stop blowing each other up you know if we can meet each other with love you know like that you know so much more would be available to us all so so anyways well, so, well anything else my friend or any uh, other uh, i just
0: just one one question just to yeah. segue off you just shared here and then we'll begin to wrap up uh so so you mentioned you know the evolution of consciousness is speeding up have you noticed since you began teaching or even since maybe prior to teaching have you noticed students are coming to you and resolving things quickly more more quicker than before are there new trends that are uh serving this accelerated awakening like like youtube um like online sanghas have you noticed this this in in your teaching
1: oh absolutely absolutely i mean just even just in my lifetime it's like my god when i was young my teacher was just given to me but i couldn't imagine just being in like nebraska and wanting a spiritual teacher. <laughs> it's like, what the heck are you gonna do? But now like any kid in Nebraska can just click on YouTube and in half a second, they've got all the world's greatest teachings right there on YouTube. And that's, I mean, that's the gift. And see, see, when we step way back and just look at life, you see that there is this massive download of divine intelligence, the energy of awakening, putting massive pressure on planet earth you know and yeah it's happening it's happening you know i think you know like of course youtube of course the internet uh online songas absolutely have sped things up and then a big thing that i think has been so utterly helpful is um you know this is sound a little silly but just like trauma therapy mm. Trauma therapy has really helped human beings get real about what are my veils? Like, what are the big veils in my consciousness? And, you know, to be able to see through them, to be able to heal those, actually begin to integrate and do that healing work. And it's like trauma is a household word now. Yeah, Mindfulness is a household word. Yoga is a household word. Meditation is a household word like in um you know let's say like who knows when i started the path let's say like like 1986 or whatever like mindfulness people would be like huh like meditation like what (laughs) you know or like people might have an idea of meditation but they might not even know anyone who's ever meditated before um but it's like it's funny because uh like, I've worked with soldiers, you know, like, um, I say, like, green berets or seals, this type of thing, who, you know, like, mindfulness and yoga are, like, a normal part of their life, <laughs> and here they are, it's, like, they're trained killers, and just, like, just think of that integration of, you know, that the military is teaching, you know, is, is teaching yoga, teaching trauma therapy, and, um, you know, that awakening is, is, has become so utterly practical. You know, through in and throughout uh, society. Now, I think it's still rare to find people who are actually truly awake and truly embodied, but from a big perspective, I can see like the world is waking up, the world is growing. The world is learning to heal and embrace their pain and their wound and their shadow and, you know, have, you know, some level of understanding of their innate divinity it's a huge thing it's a it's a huge thing compared to let's say 1950 oh yeah you know like a huge thing compared to 1920 that's 100 years ago and so it appears like we are growing at an exponential rate now like when i first started teaching when i asked people you know like about their shadow their wound their trauma you know a lot of people were still doing that non-dual bypass that you were speaking about they were like really rooted in that Non-dual bypass, and now not many people are doing that anymore. That they, they see, okay, like of course, that's not the truth. Of course, that's not the truth. Yeah,
0: amazing. Yeah. We're we're living in very exciting times, and um, yeah, it gets me more excited for for the future as well to see how parabolic this acceleration yeah. of of consciousness can go. It's very exciting. So Craig, yeah. thank you, thank you. It's been a great conversation. Once again, I want to thank you for your work in general. You're really helping a lot of people, and I hear it all the time. I hear a lot of phrases for yeah. uh, Craig Holiday. So thank you, thank you so much. Um, let our audience know where they can connect with you if they would like to find out about your uh, meetings on Zoom, your consultations, to find your books, your workshops, yeah. retreats.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's real easy. It's just my name. It's just CraigHoliday.com. And uh, my last name Holiday has two Ls in it. And so just Google Craigholiday.com. And um, I think it's Craig Holiday on YouTube. <laughs> and so it's just, just my name. So pretty simple. And um, you know, I do all kinds of stuff. I do three groups a week. and then I try to teach an online retreat every uh, two months, every six weeks or two months. And then uh, a couple times a year, I'll, I'll do them in person. You know, I was teaching a bunch in person before COVID and then COVID kind of got just got everyone online. And I think we all got so comfortable online, but uh, I'll still do some in-person retreats as well. But I have like a retreat coming up next weekend, November 3rd through 5th. I don't know if this will be out before then, but um, if people just sign up on the mailing list and, you know, if they just if they listen to any of the YouTube videos, especially the current ones, I'm always announcing what I'm doing. So I've got a Kundalini support group on Wednesday mornings. Um, I got a meditation, a Wednesday night. And then Sunday night, I do a satsang. And I do those. I'm a very consistent person is one of the things my teacher taught me is just like, we show up every week. So I'm always teaching. And then, um, you know, I do these retreats as well. Yeah. And so I'm a fan of If you find something and you like it, just connect to it and we show up. Like I was with my teacher 20 years and it was like, I almost, I would go a whole year without missing uh, a single meditation with him. So it was just like consistency, consistency, consistency. And that's so helpful for people on this path of Kundalini awakening when it's so intense and so wild It's just to have a good thing that you're connected to.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. right. I'm going to take that yeah. to heart. If you look at my channel, it's a little inconsistent with the things that I put out. But this yeah. will be out before uh, um, your upcoming retreats. And I invite anybody yeah. who's interested in connecting with Craig further. The links will be in the description. CraigHoliday.com. Craig, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a real yeah. pleasure. And uh, yeah, thank you. Brett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, You're so welcome. And thank you to our audience yeah. for spending some time with us. Appreciate you all. Much love. Yeah,
1: much love, much love, yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful, yeah.